that you may or may not recognize. Uh, Mr. Uh, Dwayne Atkinson and his wife Peggy, uh, I'd like to invite them up to share with you this morning. Uh, they're missionaries with Hard Hats for Christ, and we are uh, partners with them in the work that they do. And uh, they're kind of, they've been traveling around. I'll let them tell you, uh, tell you what's going on in their, in their world and in their ministry. But uh, I'd like you to just w- welcome Dwayne and Peggy. Thank you for being with us. It's really good to be back here again. It's been a, a few years since I was here last time and everything. I've got to see some very, very old friends here as we are aging as well. Uh, but uh, we uh, uh, um, uh, just wanted to come here and give you a quick update. And probably one of the new things about that uh, many of you don't know is I was uh, been by myself for quite a few years and... Uh, I met Peggy uh, uh, back a a few years ago as it ended up, um, we actually went to high school together. And and, uh, we went to high school, of course, she went her way and I went my way and uh, everything. And uh, it only took us over 50 years to get it figured out. But uh, we're we're together. And anyway, uh, we, we got married It'll be March, March the 6th will be two years. And um, so we're still on our honeymoon. But um, anyway, but, uh, for, but it's, been, it's been, been a challenge. But I'm going to do things a little bit different. Uh, I want to introduce my wife, Peggy, and I want her to share a little bit about what she's been doing. So ever since we got married, uh, we immediately sold our homes we bought an RV, so we're full-time RVers. We have a, a new truck, a new pickup from the sale of our home, and we've been with, on the hard hat uh, um, projects uh, here, primarily here in the States now. But we've uh, d- done a lot of traveling, but uh, being just married and then selling your homes and then moving in an RV, and she still likes me. Um, 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 <laughs> It's uh, it is as 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 your song just saying it's uh, uh, it's uh, by faith not by sight and we we've been on the road sometimes not knowing where where we're going but it's uh, but it's been a fantastic venture and I want to give my wife a few minutes just to share about what she does and then I'll wrap it up then okay okay he's much taller than. Okay, thank you for having us here today. Uh, I'm really excited to meet the people that he's worked with over the years because I've, I hadn't been involved. Um, they, I don't do the construction. They don't let me in there because they want the buildings to stand, and they know that that's not what my calling has been. I have worked with children over 50 years in one way or the other. In the last few years, I started working with more at-risk children. I was, uh, for many years, children's ministry director in a church that was a high-recovery church, high addiction. And so I learned to work with those children and um, how to meet them at their level. I learned to... um, and, and. And then I went to uh, 
went to teach at a um, child development center in the same area, which is very high addiction. And 80% of our children in that school were uh, state-funded. So they have all kinds of issues. And I learned to do that. And so when I retired, August 31st, 1921, um, I thought, okay, I'm retired, no more children. Uh, we went, started out on the road. We've been through 17 different states. We've been through three tornado watches, two flash floods, numerous other things. Um, but our first mission with or together was in Window Rock, um, Arizona, which is on the Navajo Nation uh, uh, Reservation. I was there for two weeks, and I had told Dwayne, I says, okay, now, I'm just retired from teaching. I need some time to kind of find myself. We were there two weeks. They were knocking on my door. They found out I was a teacher. That was the COVID time. And so what did, what did I do? I went by faith and went told where he told me I was going to go. Forget that rest. And I subbed in the school. And they, uh, the uh, reservations in our country are also very high addiction. And the children, you don't know when they come in in the morning, have they had breakfast? Did they have dinner? What fighting did they see? Were they beat up? And, and that's so common with the children I worked with. And it was no different on the reservation. So I was able to put some time and effort into the um, children there. We left, and when we went back um, in June of last year, the little group of kids, one of the group of kids I had, the kindergarten kids, they came running out of the music room. This, on, it's a hilltop, and the school is there. There's a church there. The Christian radio station where he was building um, is all right there, and our RV was right there. And they came out with their 90-year-old music teacher, who could run circles around us, <laughs> and um, they sang Jesus Love Me to me. And we hadn't even parked our trailer. I mean, we were still out kind of in the parking lot. And they came and ran up, Mrs. Atkinson, Mrs. Atkinson. I couldn't remember their names, but they remembered mine. And um, they sang Jesus Loves Me, and then they sang it in uh, the Navajo language. And it just, my heart just, bloomed. I mean, I loved it. So then we went to other missions, but then we went to the Arapaho Reservation. And sure enough, God had a place for me there. There's no rest at this point. Yeah. Um, I was helping develop. They had um, very high uh, addiction again. They had, were building a um, domestic violence home, and they needed a program for the children. So I worked with them for that. And we went, then we went back to, just recently, back to my home, my home church in St. Helens, Oregon, which is still high addiction, and their children's program is hurting from COVID, and they can't get the people back in, they can't get the kids back in, it's, it's really hard. And um, so they've asked me to help them with curriculum, so I will be doing their curriculum for them, curriculum for them and sending it to them. And so that will help them because they don't have a leader yet. I just said I wasn't going to be there. I, I, I couldn't be there. But traveling through the United States has just been an unbelievable experience. You see, every week, just about every week, we're at a different church. 
And um, I love old-time gospel. And I remember going into a church in Louisiana, and they started playing the banjo music. I knew, all right, here we go, <laughs> my old-time gospel. But it, I guess what I'm trying to say is he has a completely different ministry than what I have. But God has put us together, and we share it all along the way, no, where we go, no matter where we go. He does his, and I do mine, but we bring it together. And a lot, I've talked to a lot of people in missions or, or thinking about it. And especially in constructions, I have a lot of uh, spouses who say, but what, what do I do? You know, just sit in the trailer all the time. There are ministries out there, all kinds, women's ministry, food ministries. Um, I've served at food banks. Um, there's all children's ministry. Everywhere you go where they're building, there's other ministries out there. And so I encourage these people to, to look into it, even though they think there's nothing for them. I also took off two years ago thinking, okay, now what, God? I knew he had something for me, but I had no idea what. And he's used what I had done for 50 years across the United States, and I am so thankful. But I know that God gave me him as a gift, and <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> Calm down. He gave me a gift, and, and to, for us to travel. He intended this to happen, and we have had so much fun and so much laughter uh, along the way. I am so thankful for it, and for people like you who help us and pray for us and support us. It is wonderful. Um, we do work. We do have fun, but we do work. <laughs> Just let you know, he works very hard. Um, so I'll let him talk now and let him say exactly what he does. Uh, and uh, But I just want to finish by saying thank you. Well, she left me about 15 seconds, I think. Um, anyway, uh, anyway I, but I wanted you to, uh, wanted her to share a little bit, because I, it is very, very important what she does, as long as, uh, as well as the ministry or involved. As, uh, as uh, many of you know, when I've been here before, uh, I work with the, this organization, uh, uh, better known as Hard Hats for Christ, but the actual name is Construction Workers Christian Fellowship, CWCF. But most of our people can't even remember that name, and it's easier with Hard Hats for Christ. But we have uh, spread out, and Hard Hats has changed their uh, um, uh, mission thing. We Our main office uh, was in Longview, Washington for many, many years, uh, we have moved the, main, the the office now to actually Longview, Texas, and we're with the uh, uh, mission. Uh, we're on the uh, same site that uh, another or- mission organization called Missionary Tech Team or Missionary Tech, and we're using one of their facilities. We most of our missionaries have gone mobile. Most of us have our own RVs and stuff going around and and working at different projects. 
But uh, as my wife explained, um, since we've been on the road, uh, we were, we've been on the uh, Navajo Reservation twice. I was helping on a, a, a new radio station. The buildings that they have down there uh, at uh, Window Rock are, many of them are in a lot of need repair. The school where Peggy was working, a lot of repair work needs to be done at the school. The, uh, new, the new radio stations being built, the old building needs to be taken down, as well as work at the church there and everything. So there's uh, 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 just a lot of projects. They do have different groups coming in and, um, and helping work um, at different times, but uh, some of them come and go, and, it's, and, and uh, sometimes it, it uh, well, you people that have been in construction, you know how delays and stuff can often happen, you know, as uh, people will ask me, when, when are you going to get the drywall done and stuff? And I just um, basically have to tell them, I said, I'm just glad we are not in Old Testament times because I would have been stoned to death a long time ago making false predictions on when things would be done. But, um, but anyway, but we have, uh, uh, we're working there on the Arapaho um, Shoshone Reservation in Riverton, Wyoming, where we've been working. They have a, and it's a ministry called Foundations for Nations, and they have got a huge multi-purpose building that they're working on. It's 125 feet by 125 feet big uh, for that one, and it's two stories, and they're going to, that's where their main church will eventually be, but they have classrooms, dorm units in it, exercise area, complete multi-purpose ministry building for not only this church, but various other ministries around. Plus, they have a, a, a safe house for, um, for uh, women and children, and Peggy's uh, assisting on that as well, too. So we've been working on that. We've got a lot of it done, but uh, and we were working very gingerly there, but then when the uh, temperatures started hitting uh, uh, five degrees down to zero uh, there, it was time to move on from there. But we've got other projects um, coming up as well. Another little ministry we've been working with is, uh, is called The Resting Place, which is in Missouri, near Branson, Missouri, and it's a little retreat area for... Uh, that they're trying to set up for uh, missionaries and pastors and people involved in ministry that um, have kind of overdone it. And I think uh, there's a, not, not a true person, pastors or whatever, that eventually feel kind of uh, burned out at certain times and need a, need a break, and that's what this place is for, for, for just some help and counseling. So that we're building on some, uh, uh, some little cabins and stuff. We've got one pretty well up, and since I mainly worked on that one, I said that one was my building. But uh, <laughs> no, but uh, anyway, but uh, it, it's a retreat area. We have other projects coming up uh, also in Texas, South Dakota, Minnesota, uh, different, uh, different types of uh, facilities that are used, uh, not just only churches, but working on different camps and stuff. We've been at the New Life Ranch in Oklahoma, 
uh, where hard hats we've gathered for our rendezvous and stuff and have worked there. And so all these facilities that we're working on is, is in the nutshell, being used to have outreaches to people and stuff as well as little churches and things like this. Um, a few a number of years back, uh, well, when I first came in contact with this church, in fact, I met some people that I met actually was in the, in the Dominican Republic. I was in the Dominican Republic for over 10 years, and I met uh, one, uh, a few people from your group that were down working, and that was my original contact with here. But after the Dominican Republic, I was in the States working on a little church near Port Orchard, uh, Washington, called Burley Bible Church. Um, one of the guys uh, called me up and said, from your church here, and you guys had a group come over there and helped at the Burley Bible Church. That church now has an average attendance of over, and it's a little, I want to mention, this is a little country church, and um, they have over 250 people that attend there regularly. So we want to, I want to thank you for that. And so anyway, um, my wife and I are also kind of the, the uh, uh, what are we? Spokesman, okay, spokesman, what anyway, for, for the hard hat ministry. And so uh, we're, we're, we are interested in having other people join us, um, not as individuals or maybe a group and say, hey, I would like to be involved in this to let us know. We do have some brochures and some pictures. We'd be able to love to talk with you after service or during your potluck or whatever and continue to talk to you about your ministry. But, uh, but I, uh, uh, last and all, uh, last off, I just want to truly thank you for being one of our supporting churches because it's been, I mean, it has been by faith that we've been able to do this. And uh, like I said, we've had our challenges. We had been working in, in Rainier, Oregon when we first got our new trailer. It was brought to us and we had to get the pickup but the day we left to head out to uh, Wyoming, um, we were in parked in a very, very, uh, it, was an, uh, it was a nice private place, but trying to get a 35-foot 30, trailer out of this area was uh, exceedingly difficult. And uh, we, were, um, we were trying to back out and get around, and my wife was out in the rain directing me Say no over here, and we were going back and forth. We finally got out, on, out onto the road, Highway 30, and it was still raining. I was exhausted, just trying to pull out. My wife was not real happy for with me for having to stand out in the rain, but but we did get it out. But we got out on the road, and we just kind of looked at, uh, at each other, and we kind of laughed and said, "What in the world are we doing?" But uh, from but uh, but the Lord has been uh, uh, been guiding us and has got us through some uh, different uh, area. When we first left, we did not realize our trailer, and this is like I said, about a, th a thirty-five foot long trailer and everything. Uh, we didn't realize we didn't have any trailer brakes on the thing when we left, and we ended up driving all the way to Wyoming. 
before we realized it, and we, fortunately we had a contact there. He went in and um, started checking the brakes, and he said, they wired these wrong. This was a brand new trailer, too. This was not a used one. It was a new trailer. But uh, the Lord got us there safely. Um, so it was uh, probably some mumbling and complaining on my part, but we did get, we did get there safely. But the, but the Lord has been good to us, and we, we want to continue this ministry as long as we can possibly do it. But through your prayers and, uh, and support, uh, we just want to say thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing with us. We sure appreciate you taking the time to to uh, veer off course a little bit, wherever that course was taking you, and uh, make sure to stop in here and visit us. We appreciate that. I'd like to just uh, ask you all to join with me as we pray for for Dwayne and and Peggy and uh, and for that whole ministry that's uh, that the Lord has them plugged into. Father, we are grateful that, uh, that you have given your son for us, and, and it's that gratitude that compels uh, us to live for your glory, and, uh, and for Dwayne and Peggy likewise, that they are compelled that for, for your glory and for the, the calling um, of, of others t- into the kingdom of God, that they have devoted their time and resources and and we ask that you would uh, prepare for them the way uh, that they're to go. Lord, you know the, the days ahead of them. You have them all marked out. And you have in your appointment book already scheduled whether they know where they're going to be or not. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would just be preparing beforehand the, uh, the work to be done and the, and, and the hearts to be ministered to. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would give them strength. Uh, that uh, you would strengthen them uh, in their innermost being, Lord, to, uh, to walk as, as representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, to minister out of the overflow of, of the um, abundant grace that you have given to them. And uh, Lord, we pray for unity in the ministry that they're, uh, with the other folks that they work alongside. Um, we pray for unity uh, in their marriage, uh, Lord, that they both are rowing the same, with the same cadence, and um, Lord, we just ask that uh, you would bless, uh, bless their time, bless their work, uh, Lord, that it would be fruitful for your kingdom, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. We're going to start in verse 32. Um, and actually, before we do that, uh, I'd like to, to ask you to, to join me as we, as we go back over um, verses 19 through, through 25 together, that you would stand with me as we read through those. This is a, 
a very foundational passage and uh, that we're going to read together and and um, you know out of all all the passages in Hebrews there's a, a few of them that I think we would be wise to really try to uh, have a, have them burrow deep down into our soul and this is one of them and so would you stand with me as we join together Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Thank you. You may be seated. Our passage today uh, is building upon the one that we just uh, joined in together. And um, so we're going to look at verses 32 through the end of chapter 10 there. And um, so let's read that and then we'll, we'll work our way through it. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The uh, uh, Hebrews here, the Holy Spirit is, is calling believers. Remember, the, uh, Hebrews is written primarily with believers in mind. The message is to believers. And the call of, of Hebrews is for them to persevere. Um, there's, if you remember, I keep going back over this, hopefully we'll all remember it together, but uh, there are really two major points that I think are important for us to understand in Hebrews, and the one is, is uh, it overshadows the others, and that is that Christ is supreme. Uh, he is supreme in every way. He is, uh, he is our most excellent Savior, whom God the Father has gifted to us to be our Savior. And more than that, to be our great High Priest, who is our advocate in heaven and our help on earth. And, um, 
And so that, that is the, the, the major theme through Hebrews is the supremacy of Christ and the supremacy of the gift that we have in Christ. Salvation in Christ. Uh, and built upon that one then is the, the other part of the message of Hebrews, the second part, which is uh, believers, a call for believers to persevere. And that perseverance is built upon uh, faith and hope that we have in Christ. And so that uh, uh, previously, uh, back in chapter 6, there was some reference made to the believers having, having been serving the Lord and, and doing so faithfully. And, that, uh, and, and this encouragement that God would remember that. Um, and here we have, again, this doubling back to the, their need to persevere. That they, and with some more specifics of some of the types of things that they've had to endure. And uh, the understanding here is, it, uh, is that um, it is, these are sufferings that are directly related to them, them having given their life to Christ and devoted themselves to Him. And so the sufferings that they've been experiencing, it says, remember, um, after you were enlightened, that is, after they became believers in Christ, they heard the gospel and responded by faith to it. Um, It says that you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. So sometimes... Uh, some of the things that they went through after they became believers were that they were made public spectacles because of Christ. That they were ridiculed, chastised, belittled. Um, uh, that they were publicly being, uh, being persecuted for their faith in Christ. Their devotion to Him. And it says, since uh, you knew... Well, uh, then it says, for you had compassion, uh, or well, sometimes partners, sorry, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. So uh, some of them were treated as such, and others came alongside those who were being treated as such. And no doubt some got to experience both parts of that. For you had compassion on those in prison. Now, this reference to those in prison most likely is speaking not just to those in prison in general, but those specifically who have been imprisoned in regards to their faith in Christ. That you had compassion on them and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. And this is starting to get real personal, isn't it? Especially for us us Americans, right? Don't touch my stuff. Don't tread on me. This is, uh, you know... Um, this is often the theme by which we live our lives. Hands off my stuff. And, um, and yet the gospel calls us to lay our stuff at the feet of the cross and to hold as more precious the gift of Jesus Christ and to hold as a higher calling serving Him. So much so that these, these believers here were enduring um, through times of suffering that included being publicly persecuted, 
um, having to come alongside other believers and help them through this public persecution. Um, Sometimes being imprisoned for their faith in Christ and their boldness in sharing the gospel and speaking about Christ. And sometimes having their personal property taken from them. Uh, It doesn't tell us exactly how that happened here, but their property was forfeited for the sake of Christ. But it says, since you knew, the reason they did that, it says, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. You understand that um, you know, we, we're really blessed to live in the time and place that we do. And we can, we can look all around and we can see all sorts of faults and failures uh, that we could point out. Problems that exist, but even in the midst of that, um, we are extremely blessed to live in the time and place that we do. You know, as, as believers in Christ, I would say that, uh, you know, we all have our own struggles. But one of the struggles that we have been spared largely in this country is the struggle to just stay physically alive. There are believers in all sorts of places in the world where that is the daily struggle. Clean water to drink, food for them to, to eat for their children, Uh, Perhaps caring for an aging parent without medical care. Um, Having very small and and often unsanitary conditions in in their homes. Um, That that's normal daily life. They don't go fire up an electric stove and boil water. They have to gather some charcoal and and get a little fire going and um, do it the old-fashioned way. Uh, Which takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. Just to, re- just to get sustenance to replace the energy they're expending to do it all over again. And this is normal daily life. And we've been spared a lot of that. And, um, and, and no doubt, every believer in every time and every place, no matter in a wealthy nation or a poor one, um, has sufferings that they will have to endure for the sake of Christ. But we, we are grateful to be in the time and the place that we do have here. And in, as it relates to that, I think it's still important for us to remember um, that while as a nation we tend to be a, a pretty wealthy one, even the poorest among us are quite well off in terms of, of the world at large. And, um, and yet, we must grasp that our possessions are nothing for the sake of Christ. That when we compare our possessions holding on to them and compare that to holding on to Christ, that there ought to be no competition in our heart at all. That we, like, like the Hebrew believers here, would willingly let our stuff be forfeited for the sake of the cross if it came to that. As it is, uh, we still ought to forfeit that stuff in our heart 
That is, as uh, Susie was, was uh, sharing there, that our stuff is not our stuff, but that we're stewards of it for the sake of Christ. That we settle that at the deepest place of who we are. Jesus actually shared with his disciples to be careful that they did not store up treasures on earth where they would be corrupted and ultimately taken from them, but to store up treasure in heaven where it could never be corrupted or destroyed or taken from them. And the Hebrew believers here had an understanding of that. So much so that they were willing to endure their sufferings because they knew that they had a better possession and an abiding one. Now the word better possession here is a a more excellent one. A more excellent possession than they could have on earth. That there was nothing that they could possess on earth, whether material or immaterial, there was nothing they could possess on earth that could compare with the possession that they had in heaven in Christ Jesus. And it says in that possession is an abiding one. It's a possession that lasts. A possession that stands forever. A possession that will not perish. So the stuff we have this side of heaven, apart from Christ, apart from our service to Christ, the stuff we have this side of heaven, it's, it's, it's going to be corrupted, it's going to fall apart, it's going to break, it's, it's, uh, it's going to decay, or it's going to be passed on to someone else, and, and oftentimes to someone else who, who's going to uh, not really care about the significance it had to you. But we do have a possession that is never going to fade. We do have a possession that will always last. In fact, as we move into Hebrews chapter 11, this is the thing that gets pointed out is we have an account of many believers who have gone before us who held on to that understanding by faith and with hope in in the promise that we have of being brought into the kingdom of God for eternity through Christ Jesus our Savior. As we continue on there, verse 35, it says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. So he reminds the believers, hey, uh, in your struggle, remember that God's already brought you through much of it. And while your struggle may not be over yet, recall that he has brought you this far. And also, along with that, be emboldened in your faith in him. They have witnessed God's faithfulness. And remember the, the contrasting um, people group that gets brought up in Hebrews a few times is the faithless generation of Moses who witnessed the faithfulness of God and yet cast it aside and did not hold on to it in their heart. And so the warning over and over in Hebrews is don't be like that but hold on to Christ. Endure. And so don't throw away your confidence. Confidence here, this same word gets brought up several times through 
Hebrews, the, in the original language here, it's the same word that gets brought up several times, um, four times in chapter 3, 4, and then a couple times here in chapter 10. And it, and it means here that they're to be undoubting, um, cr- courageously confident, to be free and fearless in the way that they trust in God. Um, this is the calling that they have, and it's, to, it's built upon the faithfulness of God. It's built upon the unfailing nature of God's promises. We place confidence in a lot of things, um, but there is nothing that we can place our confidence in, our hope in, our trust in, that is uh, has a better track record, that has a more sure outcome um, than God Himself. And so it says then, there is a great reward for that confidence. There is a great reward. And I would argue that, uh, that, that this reward, it happens on two fronts. This reward happens this side of heaven, and it happens the other side of heaven. Or, well, that sounds weird, the other side of heaven. I, uh, you know what I mean, right? This side of the grave and the other side of the grave. The reward is for those, for those who cling tightly to Christ, who cling tightly to these promises and walk them out this side of the grave. We have the promises of God still in operation in this time and space that the faithfulness of God is enduring, that the faithfulness of God is to all generations, that we have His constant presence with us, that He is never going to fail us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. That the things which He calls us to, He is always going to be faithful to supply us to do. To equip us to do. We will never be lacking so long as we are serving Him. But then this promise is we also have the great reward of heaven. Where on this side of, of the grave, we, we will endure sufferings of various kinds. And we will endure a struggle against sin, this side of, of heaven. But when we get to heaven, Hebrews refers to it as, um, as a rest. Now, not, I don't think we ought to picture it as a long snooze on the shore of a lake. But rather, it is a rest from the stuff that wearies us this side of heaven. A rest from the burden that those things have on our soul. The brokenness of this world. The struggle, the sin, the suffering. And not just of ourselves, but the suffering we witness in those we love. The suffering we witness in others who, who seem to have, have, have not done anything to deserve it. And yet, because of the broken world we live in, These things, uh, while we hope in Christ and while He strengthens us every day through it, yet these things still are something within us that just weighs heavy on us. Because we know it's not, this is not how things were meant to be. You know, we're in good company because scriptures say that even creation is longing for the day when Christ takes 
takes his place over all creation and all nations and makes things new and right. Because even creation is suffering under the brokenness that sin has brought into this world. And so we bear it together with all creation that we are not in heaven. That this is not the new heaven and the new earth. But but that it is coming. And we eagerly wait for it. And so here we have this quote from from Habakkuk. Um, It says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So this is a call to to finish the race that you've started. All the way to the end. It's always cool uh, if you've ever been to how many of you have been to a high school track meet? Those of you who haven't, you got to go. Especially in Idaho where you can take your snow gear with you. Um, hot chocolate, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, one of the things that is, is uh, often very encouraging at a, at a high school or junior high track meet is that, you know, uh, especially for for smaller schools, it's kind of all hands on deck when you're putting a team together, right? And so, so there's a whole gamut of, of, of kids that are, are, some are there because they just love it. Some are there to just be with their friends as they're doing it. And some are there just, I, who knows why, right? But they're all in it together. And, uh, and you know, this, the nature of it, it's awesome that all the kids get to do this. And there are I, often there's going to be like, in, in, it seems like it's always in the mile race that there's just one kid who's really having a hard time with it. You know, like maybe a couple laps behind on the track. But the cool thing is how their teammates keep cheering them on. How the parents keep cheering them on. And uh, more than once, I have seen the last runner be more celebrated than the first runner to cross the line. You know, a lot of endurance is, uh, well, I mean, the main part of endurance and perseverance isn't um, being the greatest at it. It's just being unwilling to quit. You know, when you've got a big job, uh, a construction job, for instance, it seems like sometimes, you know, you, there are certain phases of it where you feel like things are really flying, right? When the framing starts going up, uh, and, and then all of a sudden it kind of bogs down and it's like, what's happening? Well, there's stuff going, infrastructure being put in there, but it doesn't look like anything's happening. And then the, and then the sheetrock starts going up, and all of a sudden it feels like things are flying again. And it like happens overnight. And then and all of a sudden again, it's like, wait a minute. If we're slowing down again. Is there anything happening here as the sheetrock's being finished and, and all those things are being taken care of? And, and, uh, but, you know, the, the real trick to, to a construction project is don't finish and don't stop until it's done. Right? There's, I mean, there's just more, more little stuff to do. And um, in the Christian life, that is the call for us. Don't quit until it's done. Keep, keep leaning into it. 
Keep one foot in front of the other. And there are going to be days where you feel like you're doing great and, and uh, you're, you're on eagle's wings. And there are going to be days where you just feel like you just keep tripping and falling right in the mud. The key is don't stop. And the reason we don't stop is because of who our Savior is. And our Savior had many opportunities to stop before He endured the cross. And even as He endured the cross, could have at any moment taken Himself off of it. said, I'm done with this. Hanging up here while the people mock me. Giving my life for the crowd who is taunting me. Making jokes at my expense. But Hebrews chapter 12 says that we're to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There is a great reward for those who endure. And so, doubling back to where I started a couple, few minutes ago, um, there's a quote from Habakkuk. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. This is a quote from Habakkuk chapter 2. What's interesting to me is that if you... I would encourage you to go go read, uh, spend some time chewing on Habakkuk this week. Uh, it's a pretty short, short book there, um, very very manageable that way. Um, but what what you'll find is Habakkuk really uh, lines up pretty well with with Hebrews. The the very uh, to I guess give you a very basic perspective of Habakkuk. It kind of starts off with a question of like, uh, hey God, there's a lot of evil stuff going on here. Uh, where are you? It seems like, uh, from, from a believer's perspective, it seems like believers suffer, evil people prosper, and um, God, what, what are you doing? But what through the flow of Habakkuk, what comes to, to understanding is that God is the final judge. All sin will be accounted for. And in the end, those who trust in Him will be the ones who receive the reward. In Habakkuk, we see this kind of grappling with with that perspective that we often have, which is uh, that sometimes we feel like, man, there's a lot of suffering and I don't feel like this is going all that great. And God, where are you? But the way Habakkuk ends is, is awesome. It ends very similar, in fact, to the way our passage today does. It says uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, 39, it says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. This is fundamentally who we are as believers in Christ is we are not people who shrink back and are destroyed. We are people who cling to the promises of God, who cling to the cross of Christ, who cling to the hope that we have in Him, 
and who do not stop in that. We just keep clinging. We keep getting up and following Him. Habakkuk chapter 3, uh, it, Habakkuk ends with a similar note. It says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. So Habakkuk here is, is recognizing that, that there are going to be seasons that we go through where it's going to look like trusting in God has no reward. To our eyes, it may appear that there's no reward for those who trust in Him. Yet, look how Habakkuk goes on. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Habakkuk understands that in the end, the reward is for those who continue to trust in Him. And that God will strengthen us this side of heaven and give us the full reward when we go into heaven. And I want to leave you with, uh, with three things um, that I think we can take from our passage today to help us endure. The first one is uh, the way our passage started off in verse 32. Recall the things that he's already brought you through. You've made it this far. Now maybe you're not very far along in your journey with Christ. And maybe you're decades into it. But wherever you're at, recall where God has brought you already. You didn't get to this place by accident. When you've trusted God through your journey, He's been there for you. He's strengthened you. He's helped you to endure. I say that with confidence because you're you're right here, right now. Gathered together with me to worship Him and to give thanks to Him. That speaks that He has helped you endure. That He has brought you through those things. And we have reason to believe He will continue to do that. Because He is ever faithful. And He's proven His faithfulness. So the first one is to recall the things that He's already brought you through. The second one is hold more tightly to your heavenly possessions than you do your earthly ones. Um, Don't get too wrapped up in your stuff. In fact, I would, I would encourage you that if you find that you have stuff that just seems to uh, hold you t- too tightly, uh, consider shipping it off to another steward. Uh, remember the, the young man who came to Jesus and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, oh, you know the commands, right? He said, oh yeah, and I've done it. He said, okay, well you lack one thing. Go and sell all your possessions and come and follow me. Why would Jesus do that? Well, the next part of the passage tells us the young man was grieved because he had a lot of possessions. That is, he loved his stuff. 
more than he loved Christ. And he went away grieved. Let us not be, now that God has given us his very treasured son to be our possession for eternity, let us not now treat that with negligence by holding on to the stuff of earth as if it's more valuable than what God has given us in his son. And then the third thing is this. Remain confident in Christ. Now, this confidence, I think, is uh, um, this confidence we may or may not feel at times. Um, This confidence that is being spoken to here is that, uh, that clinging again to Christ. Even when our, our other, our, our earthly senses here, our physical senses, our mind, our, our, our thoughts, our eyes, maybe, maybe uh, assessing the situation and, and being tempted to come to a conclusion that God has abandoned us, God is not here for us, that, that, or maybe the suffering isn't really worth it, worth the reward. Um, we're going to have all kinds of thoughts like that. But this confidence is going back to what we know to be true. And this is a good thing to do when we're wrestling through things, is to boil things back down to what do we know to be true. In the midst of what I'm going through right now, what do I know is absolutely true? I know God is absolutely faithful. I know he is absolutely present with me. I know that Christ's sacrifice was enough for me. And I know that God is going to fulfill his promise to see me through this life and into my heavenly reward. Sometimes coming back to some pretty basic stuff is what we need to do to just step back up and keep walking with confidence. I think of, uh, I think of the word uh, courage there that goes along with this, this uh, word confident and and uh, courage is, I think, sometimes often misunderstood um, as if it's uh, a person with, uh, with absolutely no reservations or fears. Um, but I, I just, that just doesn't seem accurate to me. Uh, I've seen a whole lot of folks who would rather be anywhere than where they're at, yet still step into the battle. And I think that's Courage. Folks who won't give up but step into what they know they're called to do, even if they'd really rather be somewhere else. Even if they'd really rather avoid this whole situation, that they step into it anyways. And as Christians, we do this by faith. That all things we do are by faith. And so we walk through this life by faith. And here's the beautiful thing, I think, for us that should encourage us very strongly. And as Hebrews here is calling us to be among those who, who don't shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls, to, to be of those who endure and persevere, um, that we have some really important truths to hold on to previously mentioned in Hebrews. One is, back in verse 23 of the same chapter, he who promised is faithful. Another one is in verse 21. We have a great high priest in Christ. 
And why do I point those out? Because of this. Your perseverance does not rest on your ability to navigate all this suffering this side of heaven. It rests in your Savior's ability to bring you home, to bring you through it. Do you understand that? In other words, it is not you who holds you fast. It is Christ who holds you fast. That should be deeply encouraging to every one of us. Because we all know that our, our own perseverance, if it is up to our ability to persevere, we are, we are just gonna, we're just going to run out of gas. There is not enough gas in the tank. There is not enough charge in this battery to make it the distance. But it is Christ who holds us fast. It is Christ who brings us through. So I want to close again here with by reading the tail end of Habakkuk. Um, and, and actually, it, it sounds in some ways, I think, uh, on a, it's on a similar note as, uh, as the way Hebrews ends, which maybe I should start there first and then double back to Habakkuk. Hebrews actually ends with this message to the believers. Now may the God of peace who brought again who, uh, from the dead out our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It is God who equips us and works in us. It is God who helps us to persevere. And so, in like to that, let us be, um, be believers who, who endure whatever it is that we have to endure with this knowledge like Habakkuk. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread are my high places. We're going to actually close together um, with with a, a new a new song um, that Earl uh, Earl's Earl's always so gracious. I kind of threw out to him and said, "Hey Earl, like this morning, I said, "Hey Earl, do you know this song?" He's like, "Not really, but I've heard it before." <laughs> and then next text I get from him is. Uh, I'm working on it. See if we can do it. So uh, I think we're going to give it a go today, and I, I appreciate your flexibility there, Earl, and willingness to, to tackle that um, with the team there. But um, it's called uh, He Will Hold Me Fast. And uh, it's based off the, and its original version was written back around the turn of the century, 1900. Um, and uh, there was a, a, a pianist who... Um, was at an evangelistic outreach where the gospel was being proclaimed and had a young believer come up to him and said, I just don't know if I can hold out. Meaning, he didn't know if he, if he could actually endure 
the Christian life and make it to the finish line. He was afraid he was going to fall short. And this pianist thought, man, um, I just wish I could encourage him and encourage others like him who have this doubt that they're going to fall short, who are worried about this. I, I just I want to be able to let them know in some way that it's Christ who holds them fast. And, um, and so he reached, he thought, well, you know, I know how to play piano, right? I'm a musician. So he reached out to a, a person who wrote hymns, was well known for writing hymns, um, and her name was Ada Hab- Habershon. And um, she was so inspired by this idea of, of helping people cling to this understanding that it's God who will see us through these things, um, that she wrote like seven different hymns on it. And one of them ended up becoming what we know as um, He Will Hold Me Fast, which has been kind of modernized uh, in the version that we're going to do. But the message is so powerful and so timely um, because we, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, as the author of Hebrews reminds us. But contrary to that, Contrasting to that, we are of those who have faith and preserve our souls. And we are among those who have faith and preserve our souls because it is Christ who holds us fast. It is Christ who strengthens us to endure. And He is ever faithful. That which God began, He will complete. So as we, why don't you stand with me as we, as we sing here today uh, and as the worship team's coming up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Father, we thank you so much for, for how blessed we are to be the people of God who hold fast not of our own strength but on yours. That our anchor would not hold but yours will. Lord, we, we have this, this hope as a sure and steady anchor for our soul through all sorts of seasons and storms of life. And Lord, we know not what the next season will bring, but we do know this. You will see us through. You will hold us fast. You will be the one who strengthens us. You will be uh, with us through it. That even if we go through the valley of the shadow of death, that we will fear no evil because you are with us. That you see us through it. And so Lord, we give you this, this thanksgiving today that we, are, we, we just are so grateful that our success um, as the people of God rests in your capability and faithfulness. And Lord, we know we can have total confidence in that. And so we thank you and worship you as such. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, nice job, huh? It's a powerful message for us to remember that Christ will hold us fast. I'm reminded of, uh, of the disciples when they... Uh, pushed off into the water on a boat with um, the Lord Jesus on board and um, seems a storm kicked up and it got pretty violent and uh, man, they look over and Jesus is asleep. 
Um, so they're waking him up pretty worked up about the situation because they're trying to figure out how to get water out of the boat. How are we going to keep from capsizing, falling out? And they wake Jesus up and he goes, what? You know, and he tells the wind and the waves to be calm and, and they're calmed. Um, you know, they were afraid in the midst of the storm, but the key was they were in the boat with Jesus. They were safe as long as they stayed in the boat with Jesus. Whether he calmed the storm or not, they were safe if they stayed in the boat with Jesus. And so let us, let that, let us continue in that path to stay in the boat with Jesus because he is the one who will hold us fast. Lord, bless and keep you. And I wanna, uh, I'm going to close this in prayer and then you guys are free to go downstairs to start potlucking it up. And uh, I want to encourage you to, uh, to connect with uh, Dwayne and Peggy. Um, they don't cycle through all that often, and uh, Lord knows when, when that will happen again. But we're glad to have them today, and so I would ask you to just uh, introduce yourself, and, and you can hear a little bit more about what they're doing. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for holding us fast, and we trust in your sovereign power to continue to do that. Lord, we thank you for your provisions for us, uh, Lord, that you have blessed us uh, so incredibly and that uh, we're able to share that with one another as we gather to eat today. Uh, Lord, we just uh, ask that you would fill our, our conversations with such encouragement that it spurs each one of us on for the week ahead, that we would walk in faithfulness to you and full of faith in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.